Welcome to The Big Interview. The Big Interview from the Customer Experience Foundation is our weekly podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX and contact centers, the movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors, and the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Dave Darcy. Dave is a vastly experienced and industry-recognised customer and contact centre expert. He has spent almost 30 years in customer-oriented roles, predominantly in the IT and telecom sector. Dave has spent the last five years shaping and delivering customer experience and support in the communications and software-as-a-service area. Dave is highly awarded in this field. His recognitions include European and UK awards in 2018, EMEA Best Director Awards in both 2019 and 2020, and he is currently twice World Best Director voted by industry organisation Contact Centre World in 2019 and 2020. Additionally, his operation was voted 2020 EMEA World Best Industry Help Desk. Dave, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. That's quite a list of awards and accolades. It makes me feel a little bit, um, a little bit embarrassed. I think, Keith, but uh, thank you for inviting me along. Um, it's, it's lovely to look back sometimes and realise um, quite what's been achieved, both by by myself, but more importantly by by the people who do the real work for me. <laughs> so tell us about your current role and uh, how how that's gone. You you recently joined Ming Central in the last uh, year, eighteen months or so. Tell us about that. Oh, m- m- much more recently. I joined Ring Central almost four months ago. Um, I had been previously working for uh, another company in this, the same sector, um, and I've uh, joined Ring Central as the uh, customer care director for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Um, so I've got um, responsibility across mass market and across our enterprise support functions with centres in the UK, Paris, um, a recently opened centre in Bulgaria, and a large mass market centre in Manila. So hopefully, when COVID ends, there'll be an awful a lot of travel for me um but uh, it's been an exciting time four months as you can imagine big learning curve um with regard to to uh, the ring central way of doing things but thoroughly enjoyable and uh, and great opportunity and uh, and great excitement and plans to come fantastic and what were some of the current challenges you've had over the last uh, 18 months or so both uh, in, in in this job and, and in your previous role yeah, well, I think you know my challenges over the last eighteen months haven't really been any different from everybody else's with a with a global pandemic and the challenges that 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 has brought us. However, I have found myself looking at it in a slightly different way. In that, um, I, I recall uh, some months before the start of the pandemic, having a a member of my team come to me and tell me that she was moving to another part of the country um, and would therefore have to resign unless I was prepared to allow her to work from home and um, and I was working for a business that did remote working cloud communication software um, and said no it's not practical we can't do that 
Well, here we are now, 18 months later, and I've moved to another business, and that lady did leave the business. Um, and guess what? Now she's working for me again, and she's working for me at home because the pandemic taught us all um, that, that actually we can do things um, in a different way. And I think, you know, it's for me, it's brought many challenges in terms of, um, of both keeping motivation for myself and for the team um, nice and strong. The technology side of it wasn't such a challenge. That was very much the world that, that I worked within. Um, but it, it's been a learning curve to, to get us to the point of recognising that we have found a new normal. I don't think we'll ever go back to an old normal. I think we're going to have to find a middle ground in there. Um, but um, it's really opened my eyes to the fact that everything is possible. Um, and uh, I think I'm making people around me a bit fed up listening to me explain to them that nothing in the world is impossible now. Um, it just comes with the caveat of some things are really, really very difficult um, and you need to make a lot of changes to make them happen. But in the main, anything can be achieved. Um, and uh, so it's been a challenge in 18 months, but similarly a very rewarding one. And I was having this discussion with somebody yesterday, and you, you just touched on it there, that um, things that 18 months ago organisations wouldn't allow, um, they've been forced to do that. And uh, the technology was always there, and the, the, the either the customer or the employee demand was always there. It was the businesses in the middle that were getting in the, in the way, and the pandemic has forced them to get over themselves. And suddenly, you know, the idea of people not being allowed to work from home because of information security, well, suddenly in two weeks, that all went out the window. What, what's your take on that and how organisations are adapting to that? Um, I, I remember very early in my career um, in, in the technology world, somebody explaining to me that there was hardware and software and then there was middleware. And I asked them what the middleware was. And they said, that's the person using it or the person running it. Um, and I think this is a very similar situation in that uh, there were, for all good reasons, there were a lot of businesses who had the view that things had to be done in the way that they had to be done because they hadn't had their eyes open to the opportunities of the ways that things could be done. Um, and, and that has allowed us um, to recognise that um, security, for example, as you, as you raise, um, can be managed perfectly adequately from a re remote location. It was something that for my business, we had to do. I mean, we are out here selling communication software as a service. Um, we're telling people you can take your business anywhere. It can be on your mobile, your tablet, your laptop, your desktop. It doesn't matter. You are in the office wherever you are, all fully integrated. Well, if that's what we're telling the people that our product can provide, we've got to live that ourselves. We've got to drink our own champagne. Um, and... Uh, and therefore, it had to be proved that, that, that the, the information security and so on really wasn't a challenge. It was about finding the solution. Um, and I think, you know, we've all, over the years, those of us as experienced as you and I, uh, you know, have been through many conversations along the lines of, you know, every opportunity is a challenge. And I think what the last 18 months has demonstrated is that that's absolutely true. Every opportunity is a challenge. It's just challenges have been brought to us a little faster than we might have anticipated. Um, and uh, and I think it's been a hugely exciting time. I feel um, that it's probably given me the opportunity to advance my career um, and extend my career by as much as another 10 years um, because we've suddenly moved into another sphere of work. 
we, we certainly have that. And um, talk about new spheres. Let's talk about the evolution of uh, contact centres and, and, and contact centres as a service and cloud contact centres, which uh, certainly uh, a, a new area for me and uh, might be for a lot of our listeners. So talk to us about how that's evolved over the last few years. That's uh, there's, there's been a lot of rapid development now. It's very different yeah. to, to the days of plonking a switch in the corner that we did 10 years ago. No, you're absolutely right. I think um, on-premises PBX and, and and data rooms on on-prem and, and so on and so forth um, have certainly become, um, uh, if not obsolete now, certainly heading that way. Um, in so much as the fact that you know these items took up space, this was space that could be used um, for for revenue generating opportunities, um, and um, you know, they also uh, required resilience and redundancy. You needed to have disaster recovery in the background on-prem. Um, and where we've moved to is, is an environment that um, was originally created from a point of view of look at the space we can create for you. Look at the opportunity that this will give you to, uh, not, re- to, to, to not have to extend your overhead to be able to, 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 to deliver um, a greater result for your business. Um, and that's now moved to a position of actually... What this really means is you can operate your business from anywhere at all using the cloud contact center um, uh, solution. And I think particularly what's interesting in it is that we didn't really ever have any difficulty in getting businesses to recognize that voice over IP was the right way to go, that there was an opportunity um, in basing your data in the cloud, that um, you know, the, the solution was right for, for uh, contact centers. Where the challenge came was having contact centers believe that this would enable them to expand their operation without increasing any overhead, i.e. allowing their agents to work from their own homes and and so on and so forth. Um, And this has given us the opportunity to really demonstrate that 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 is such a great opportunity. It's it's helped businesses uh, in terms of their resource scheduling because now we always talked about the idea in contact center worlds that it was a role the, you know, we could have the returning to work mother who um, wanted to work in the evenings or, or inside school hours and you know, and we could always accommodate that and we were always very clear, oh yes, we can accommodate that. But the reality of it is that that still meant that that employee had to travel to work, had to travel home from work, that that limited the number of hours they were truly working. We're now in a position where we truly do deliver that opportunity for people to pick up all of those tasks and fit them in around other the, the, the workload and the life balance um, of, of, of individuals. Um, and uh, I, I think it's only going to continue to go that way. Fantastic. And uh, I think that can only be a great thing. Um, the way that these technologies are bought and sold has also changed. The, the days of needing a quarter of a million pound or half a million pound for a lump of metal to sit in the corner has uh, long gone. It's much more license-based now. Can you chat through some of the issues there and particularly what a buyer or a user should be looking for and how that's changed in the way that organisations like yourselves um, change, their, change their license structures? Yeah, I, I think that... Um... Absolutely, the, the 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 removal of a requirement for large amounts of capital expenditure is is obviously a big benefit for a potential buyer. Um, I think that businesses that are looking to purchase a a 
software as a service solution for any aspect of their business need to be clear and honest with themselves about what it is that they're looking for and why they're looking for it. So um, yeah, it, it, there is a cost benefit. I see it as a little bit like AI, to be honest with you, in that uh, if somebody wants to buy some AI and they're doing it because they want to reduce cost, to be honest and say it's because I want to reduce cost, don't try and and build it as something that is about easing your customer or improving your customer's experience. If it's about reducing cost, be honest and say that. If it's about improving your customer experience, then fabulous. Build the AI that will make it an easier operation for your customer to communicate with you. But don't try and make cost savings out of that as well. And the reason I draw that analogy is because... When you come to, to looking at buying a cloud solution for your contact center or for your unified communication, um, you, you are buying licenses. That's absolutely true. Um, but be aware of the fact that it's still a business product. It's still something that is, is critical to your business for you to be able to operate. So don't shy away from the fact that um, you know, it's appropriate for you to uh, invest the right amount of professional services on implementation. It's the right thing for you to do to purchase uh, the right number of hours of training, etc., from your provider. Um, and look upon that as your investment rather than just this is our saving by buying a license i'd also suggest to, to, to companies uh, to customers to really think long and hard about what level of support you want for your software as a service product um, so i i draw this uh, analogy on this one for people by saying you know, if you were to go to curry's pc world and buy yourself a, a new washing machine and they say do you want to buy the extended warranty say, oh no 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 I, I don't i can't afford that i'll leave that on the table um you can't then come back with your washing machine in six months time and say hey it broke down if you've got a business critical tool like your communication platform your telephony um and you are reliant upon it to run your business be realistic about your your economies and and what it is that that you require versus what it is that you're trying to reduce the cost of and i would always strongly recommend that people look at enterprise support as a pay or a paid support option to ensure that they've got that real partnership with their provider and then i think the final thing i would say keith if i may is um there has been massive consolidation within the cloud communication marketplace um, and the real win is to have all of your different channels of communication integrated your voice your video uh, your messaging your emails have it all integrated together um, now there is an opportunity for you to buy all of those items individually and they will integrate but i would always strongly advocate to people go and find a partner that can provide all of those different aspects of your cloud communication product because they to, to use a, a terrible old business term it gives you the one throat to joke yes yes uh, i agree with that and where does it go wrong what can we all learn where, where have you oh. seen this go wrong um Primarily, um, the, the largest place I would say I see it go wrong is um, in not gaining clarity at the very beginning of the relationship about what the customer wants the product to do. So it comes back to that piece about the requirement for absolute honesty in terms of um, don't be buying the amount of seats you need or the amount, you know, don't buy the solution that's in your head as a customer. 
tell your provider the, the issues that you want to address and allow them to help you to design the solution um, and implement well, invest in that implementation, create that relationship um, and ensure that, that you start on the best footing. Cloud communications is no different than any customer lifecycle. And we've all seen it in all of our different industries. If you if you begin the customer lifecycle poorly, it's a difficult, difficult job to try and ever bring that back to somewhere that's positive. If you build it and start it in a really good place, it's a good place moving forward and it becomes a whole lot easier for everybody to operate. Um, there's, there are then technology, technological reasons why things do and don't go wrong. Um, but um, I'm probably not the best person to explain them. Um, but what I would say is pick your partner carefully, um, be really upfront with them, tell them exactly what it is that's required um, and ensure that the solution that's being designed um, is resolving the issues that you wanted to resolve um, and that you have confidence that in the design and build of the solution that there is also in place on the back end of that the design and build of the support model that ensures your solution is, is, is managed well. Fantastic. Um, you touched on the uh, consolidation that there's been amongst um, providers over the last, uh, particularly the last 18 months. Um, so what's next? What's the future? What should we, what should we all be looking out for? Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of the same. Um, I, I think there are still um, a lot of, uh, of businesses that are specialist in one particular field, in one particular channel. Um, and they will start, as they have done, they will continue to try and develop their own products and tools in, in the channels that they're less um, uh, known for. Um, but I think in all likelihood that will just see continued consolidation. I think we'll see uh, the, the um, smaller, uh, more bespoke businesses being consumed by larger businesses, and as we've seen in many other industries, we will get to a point where we'll have a, um, a, a smaller marketplace of very big players that can offer the solutions um, across all channels. Great. And uh, talking more personally now, how did you start in contact centres? Talk us through your journey through the industry. How did you get to where you are today? Oh, wow. Um, how did I start? Um, as like everybody else, I think, by accident, um, I, I don't imagine many of us ever left education going, do you know what, what I really want to do is, is, is have a career in contact centres. Um, in fact, when I left education, I don't think contact centres even existed. Um, uh, the way I started was I was working for um, a contract rental business um, that, that um, uh, was based in London, uh, but it was, it was a national business that was losing more customers than they were gaining. Um, and uh, and the managing director approached me and said, Dave, I want you to set up an outbound contact centre for us aimed at saving the customers that are looking to leave um, or at least understanding why they're looking to leave so that we can change the design of the business moving forward. And I said, Robert, I know nothing about contact centres. And he said, no, neither do I, but I'm sure between us we're going to be able to learn it. Um, and that was the start. And I moved from there um, through a number of years um, into some of the largest communication companies in the world, people like Vodafone um, and BT and, and others, um, and then uh, took the decision some 15 years or so ago to set up my own interim management consultancy business, 
which saw me travel around the world. Um, been very, very fortunate, traveled to all different nations and continents and worked with some large and small companies, predominantly in that communications and technology marketplace. Um, and then uh, four years ago, I got tempted back into the real world of work. And, um, and and the rest, as they say, is history. But it's, it's been a, a fabulous journey, great fun. And and, uh, so, and if somebody came to me for leaving education now and said, you know, what would you think about a, a career in contact centres? I'd, um, I'd tell them just what a great time I've had and, and recommend they go for it. And what are you most proud of in your career? What's, what's, what's your biggest achievements? Um, well, you started the, the session here by talking about some of the awards that I've been fortunate enough to pick up over recent years. And, and I think most people would expect that to be what I see as my biggest achievements, um, but absolutely not. Um, I think it's very, very easy. Um, I can look back, particularly over the last kind of 20, 25 years, um, and I can identify people that uh, worked for me, um, that um, I saw promise in, um, that, that I encouraged, that I've remained contacted to, um, and my greatest achievement is just seeing how well met so many of them have done, um, and and many of them um, have uh, who started working for me um, have now passed me by and have disappeared into the distance and and now I, I reach out to them for advice and I think it's just so satisfying to have played a part in 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 their careers I think one one piece I'd say about it is um, I, I was working for when I was working for Vonage I had a chat one day um, stopped me in our London office and I say hi Dave and I, kind of thought, I don't really know who this guy is in fact I don't know who this guy is and um, and he was talking to me like an old friend and uh, and he said uh, I, I used to work for you at Vodafone uh, did you and uh, and it turned out that he worked for somebody who worked for me um, but he was now a VP in in the organization we were now working for um, and it's just fantastic to see that progression in people that you that, that you may have had a part in their career but certainly even more so when they believe um, that you've been instrumental in their progression and, and talking about challenges, because um, uh, careers through this industry are, are never smooth, what would you say the biggest issue is you've had to overcome? Um, my goodness. Do you know, I, I think this situation is that there are many occasions when you're faced with a situation or an issue uh, that it feels like it's the biggest in the world and that this is the one that when Keith asks me in the future, you know, what's the biggest issue you face? This is the one that's going to be front and centre of my mind. Um, and very quickly, they kind of fade into less of an issue because you learn how to overcome them um, and you moved on and you gained from it. And yeah, I've often said to people, um, I've had many jobs through my career and there have been jobs that I loved and there have been jobs that I very quickly decided this wasn't right for me. But there's not a single job when I look back that I regret doing because each one of them taught me something. And, and I think that you have to go through that pain. Um, I think the biggest challenge, and this, this perhaps might not be what um, what you would have expected, but the biggest challenge for me um, occurred about three and a half years ago um, when um, with a lot of other issues going on in my life, um, I, I had a bout of, of mental illness and, um, and it, it could have destroyed me. Um, and I was surrounded by fabulous people. My employer at the time was Vonage, and they could not have done more for me than they did. 
The psychologist that they paid for was a wonderful woman, um, uh, Dr. Deborah, who I will be grateful to forever, um, and taught me that the greatest challenge I'd actually ever faced wasn't that illness. It was the huge weight that I was carrying with me because I believed that it was my role, my job, my responsibility to fix everybody else's problems. Um, and uh, and now I recognise that the, my role is to control what I can control. Um, and it's made my life happier. It's made me a different person. And uh, it was the biggest challenge I faced, um, but um, the, the greatest reward for having got past it. And thank you for sharing that with us. As you know, mental well-being is something we're very, very passionate about at the foundation. It's a subject to my heart too. So uh, very, yeah. very, um, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, as you know, we always like to ask our guests to reflect and help those coming up through the industry today. So you can go back to being 25 again. What advice would you give to your younger self? Um, if you think something, if you can't decide whether something needs to change or not, the answer is it does. Otherwise, you wouldn't be thinking about it. Um, and uh, regret only the things that you did, um, not the things that you wish you had done. Um, but in short... Um, gamble because you can only win or you can learn. I think that's very, very insightful. So how do you uh, unwind and escape from it all? Um, tell us a few things about you that we wouldn't know from looking at your LinkedIn profile. Well, um, I don't think most people would know everything about me from my LinkedIn profile. I'm, I think I'm, I'm probably known for the fact that there's no filter between what happens in one part of my life and, and, and particularly what comes out of my mouth. Um, but what, what, what makes me, where do I relax from this? Um, well, um, people can probably see behind me on the wall the words to, uh, to you, you'll never walk alone. I'm a fanatical Liverpool fan. Um, so I, that, that's one place, although over the years, um, that hasn't necessarily always been something that would relax me. Um, uh, most often, I think people will have seen on my social media that I'm incredibly fortunate to have a lovely garden um, that has a, a gazebo bar in the garden and certainly the summer nights. I, I, have, I have no greater joy than sitting out at the bar with my two dogs and, and if the family want to join me, they're welcome as well um, and, and, and really just having a proper relax. Um, but the big news is that uh, my greatest um, uh, release from work now uh, joined our family uh, on Sunday afternoon um, when my oldest daughter gave birth to our first grandchild. Um, so I now have a, a grandchild. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and uh, trust me, it's amazing, even after only three or four days, um, that... Uh, I, I was with the, in the lounge with them the other day and um, my daughter said, does Grandad want a cuddle? And I said, no, Grandad's got to go down to work because I've got a call. And then I looked at my watch and went, oh, I've got 15 minutes. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think the most important part here is that um, you know, we all have bad things happen to us in our lives and we always all see bad things happen in the world and we kind of say, oh, puts, gives, puts perspective on their own life, doesn't it? Um, well, what I learned this weekend was that sometimes something really good happens in your life and that puts your life in perspective as well. Dave, it's been fantastic having you with us today. Thank you for um, sharing your honesty and uh, your insights with us, both personally and professionally. I hope our listeners have found this as insightful as, and supportive as I have. You can find out lots more about the Customer Experience Foundation 
at cxfo.org. We thank you for joining us at the Customer Experience Foundation today and we hope you can join us next time on The Big Interview.